You're listening to a podcast brought to you by international law firm Trowers and Hamlins, combining market sector thought leadership, advice, and ideas, helping businesses and governments prepare for the future. Hello, and welcome to this another in our series of Trowers Talks podcasts. Uh, my name is Chris Plumley, and I'm a partner in our public sector real estate team. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined today by David Jobling, who's a director at Arcadis. And David uh, leads a lot of the town centre work um, focused particularly on uh, the work with local government. And so David and I have had the pleasure of working together in a number of um, uh, ventures over the years. And we thought we'd have a chat today about how town centres are going to play a key part in uh, recovery, particularly post-pandemic. So uh, good afternoon, David. Good afternoon, Chris. Uh, great to be speaking to you today. Let's talk about um, town centres and recovery. Even before the pandemic, um, we were having, we we're all having, you know, the conversation in the industry about the role of town and city centres, uh, about, you know, what they're going to be for, how they're changing the marketplace, and the role councils have been played in town centre and, and city centre renewal. Tell us a bit about the work you've been doing and uh, what we can look forward to. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Chris. Uh, the conversation about town centres and their role isn't new. COVID has accelerated change that might have taken years or decades into a matter of weeks and months. But interestingly, that might have helped some of the conversation and helped some places because it's meant that they've had to react and respond rather than suffer through slow decay. We've been fortunate enough to work with a, a large number of local authorities developing master plans and pips for funding in advance of the pandemic and we're continuing to work with them now. The role of the town that you, you mentioned is, is a big question for everyone and has been for, for some time. The best answer to that I've got is that a town needs to serve its local community and I think the exodus of people to cities for work has broken some of that link through covid what we're seeing is more people more interested and engaged in their local towns that presents an opportunity and challenge for councils they've been aching to get people back into town centers engaged with them and as the custodians of place they've got a key leadership role to play now in making sure that those towns evolve rapidly to serve the needs of their population so do you think that I mean, we, we, we've often talked about the need for collaboration and uh, stakeholder engagement uh, with developments. And I know that your uh, Livable Places report focused heavily on that. Do, do you think that the, that will mean we'll get more proper stakeholder engagement or do you think that will just happen generically because people are using the towns more? I certainly hope it leads to more. As you say, our, our Livable Places report identified that the community was a key part of making places successful and too often that's been glossed over in the past. Successful places serve their local community, are valued by their local community and that creates economic growth and prosperity in the long term. I think we've gone through a phase where there was too much development happening, almost colouring by numbers. You walk down a high street or town centre in the UK and Bill Grimsey likes to use the phrase clone towns. You couldn't tell which high street you were on because every shop was the same. The most successful town centres in the future will respond to their local communities and bring real vibrancy because their local communities will use them. A uh, great example of that local to us that I've used before is Spark Hill. 
Uh, Spark Hill in Birmingham isn't necessarily somewhere people would pick as a beacon of success, but it's got an incredibly vibrant high street, an incredibly low vacancy rate. Something like 96% of the businesses on that high street are independent, and that's because they serve their local community, and so it's really successful. So do you think that, obviously, we've all been locked down for months now, and probably will continue to be in uh, lockdown, particularly in the professional services uh, field for, for, for a little while longer. Do you think that's had an impact on town centres that are last? I certainly hope so. I think it's not just the impact on town centres, though. It comes back, and I keep talking about communities and people, it's the impact on people. I think we've all seen that many of us in certainly the professional services sector continue to deliver for clients while based at home it's had significant work-life balance impacts for a lot of people who will embrace the opportunity to work from home more i don't think what we'll see is people exclusively working from home necessarily for a variety of reasons the social side of work mental health just people's living situation young professionals living in shared houses have probably found this more challenging than those fortunate enough to have a home office for example but i think we'll see a lot more balance which in the long term will bring more benefits to towns probably than major urban centers as people spend more time there value their places and that will attract investment where there hasn't been investment historically because people haven't spent time in their towns. They've just left them to go to work in the major urban centres. So I guess that means that when we've been asking ourselves the question, what's a town centre for? It's always been a, a, an assumption that the cities will be where we work, particularly on the professional services side. But uh, are we saying that that's going to change because people will reflect maybe and, and, and work from home that bit more? And so you know, your local coffee shops, your local amenities, the things that might have relied on tourist footfall, for example, are going to start relying a little bit more on local economy generation. I'd certainly hope so. I think the government has been talking about the levelling up agenda and left behind towns for a while. I do believe that this change to work-life balance will see more places, more reliant on their local population. Certainly hope they'll have to be because the tourist trade is likely to drop off but i think that will be a net positive in the long term for towns it does raise a question for cities as you say the core of cities has been about and certainly the most successful cities have been about attracting the agglomeration of large offices into one place i still believe there'll be an agglomeration of large offices in the center of cities Birmingham, Manchester, Leeds, London are still going to be places people go because they're well connected, because they're easy for large groups to gather in. But the purpose of those gatherings will be different. It will be less about sitting at your desk and more about the exchange of ideas. It will be about the things that require critical mass, some of the leisure activities that attract people that require critical mass that won't necessarily work in smaller towns and the purpose of cities will be much more about people coming together i think you and i have discussed before you know not wanting to return to roman times but you know in roman times you had the forum people came together exchanged ideas it's you know birthplace of civilization in ancient greece with similar concepts in major cities i think we'll see a modern take on that where people use major cities to come together return to their towns to to work on a day-to-day -day basis perhaps and that will see economic value created in towns in a way that perhaps it hasn't been over the last 20 or 30 years as it's migrated to cities. 
So, I mean, you, you and I uh, have our practice base very much around local authorities and public sector play shaping roles um, is a big part of what we do. For a lot of town centres at the moment, they are uh, in the process of submitting their bids for um, towns fund and for future high street funding. And those business cases um, are, uh, have been worked up over the last couple of months whilst we've been in a pandemic um, setting. Do you think they're going to change and councils might have to rethink about the, the, the way that they apply for and implement their town plans, uh, especially when they're thinking of things like the Towns Fund and uh, other central government funding streams? I think they'll need to monitor changes as they happen, clearly. We're working with over a dozen local authorities around the country on both Future High Street Fund and Towns Fund bids. But what we're seeing is actually an acceleration of the need for many of the projects that are proposed through that program. Um, you know, most local authorities had a sound long-term plan for their place and Future High Street Fund and Town Fund is an opportunity to capture the investment needed to deliver that. I think what we've seen through the impact of COVID in many situations is that the impacts that they thought were going to happen over a four, five, ten-year timescale have happened in one or two weeks or months. Um, it's made those projects more important. It's made how you get to the point of implementation of those projects a real challenge. How do you avoid the death of your high street before you have the opportunity to intervene? But it's made the role of the local authority as that custodian of place ever more important to have that vision to bring together key stakeholders, landowners and make things happen. You and I both know the challenges of bringing a lot of people together to focus and deliver complex regeneration projects. Well, now's the time when all those stakeholders are going to have to solve those problems if they want places to be successful. You talk about implementation, and I think that, that's a key part of certainly of our work at Drows and Hamlins, um, helping councils implement schemes, understand the key you know, uh, legal structures, the, the delivery vehicles, the... It, it, getting from you know um, the, the the conceptual business plan stage into the actually you know boots on the ground and getting things uh, delivered is a is an absolute key part of of both your and uh, our business practice and our advice. So I think that's a really helpful uh, reminder that you know there's a pressing urgency that's been in, introduced into this process, um, which perhaps there wasn't when we were just looking at doing this as part of you know the next phase of, of town centre growth. I think that's a that's a really helpful point to, to, to focus on. Indeed, Chris. I think the the importance in that point though is for me is one that came out in my podcast for Arcadis with Bill Grimsey about leadership and to deliver at pace and deal with the complexities that exist in getting that those relationships formalised requires really clear robust ambitious and visionary leadership i think it wouldn't come as a surprise to anyone that at times some of the constraints placed on councils in one form or another whether by the uh, resources available to them the skills available to them or the other pressures on their time have made it incredibly difficult for them to show the leadership and ambition that they desperately want to i guess the challenge for them now and the challenge for central government actually is to show that leadership to stand up and to make a real difference there are some places across the country where that is happening uh, wakefield launched their latest place brand uh, in the past 
couple of days. We're proud to be a partner of Wakefield Council delivering an awful lot of regeneration with them. You know, there are places like Stockton that have also invested heavily in their town centres. And if we go back to the previous recession and look at somewhere like Bradford with their city park, they delivered a public realm scheme that had its sceptics, but actually has transformed the centre of Bradford and the mirror pool is now a nationally, if not internationally recognised, great piece of public realm that's created a new district around it with half a million square feet of office development and a space that's used by the whole community and has really contributed to growth and success in, in the town. And you know, Dave, that brings us right back to, to a point we started with about trying to avoid cloned towns. And I think, you know, so much, so much of town and city centre development has been built around a standard model for uh, certain retailers. And, you know, you could see, you know, that replicated up and down the country. It does feel that we've moved back to a community driven, community led uh, reinvention of our towns that maybe we will get an opportunity to have a bit more individuality, a little bit more scope for growth built around that community engagement. I certainly hope so. I think identity is going to be critical. Having that local identity and distinctiveness, building on local heritage and really creating places that are distinct from each other, that will be one of the things that makes towns and cities actually succeed or fail over the next business cycle. We could talk all day about this topic and you know, I know we've talked about it a lot over the years. One final point for us. Let's talk about how do we think the next six months is going to pan out. There's clearly an urgency to, to make sure that councils are put in the right position and the private sector colleagues we also work with to play their part. What do we think the next six months is going to really focus on? Or is that just too early to, to tell? I think the, the next six months might be too short a timescale to understand what the long term impacts will be. But what I think we will see is some real innovation from places um, with temporary interventions, although they might be planned to last two or three years, and short-term impacts to support places whilst the longer-term interventions are delivered. That's going to be critical to keep communities engaged, to respond flexibly. I think we don't know yet whether lockdown is going to continue to be eased or whether the brakes are going to have to come on a little bit harder again at some point. And so flexibility and responsiveness are going to be the watchwords for the next six months. But how flexible and responsive places can be could be one of the key factors in determining their long-term success by avoiding catastrophic failure at this point, actually. David, that's really helpful. Sadly, we have to wrap up now, but thanks ever so much for your time and your input today. It's a fascinating topic and uh, let's see how we uh, how things go over the next couple of months. Thanks ever so much for your time today. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Trowers and Hamlins. Find us at trowers.com and join in the conversation on Twitter at Trowers or find us on LinkedIn and Instagram.